My name is Ellie and welcome to my podcast in the highs and the lows. This podcast is a really cool opportunity for me to get to go on and talk with my friends about what God is doing in our lives because I truly believe that even though we are young, we have the impact to go and help as many people as we can and that's what I'm trying to do here. Uh, I'm so glad you're listening and I'm really excited for you to tune into this new episode. So go ahead and start listening right about now. Welcome back to another episode of In the Highs, In the Lows. If you can't tell, today I finally am recording my face with it. So hi, this is my face if you haven't seen it before. Um, So today we're talking about the gospel because I honestly think it's just really important to talk about the gospel and it's something that I feel like on the internet you can like look up what the gospel is but how often do people actually explain it to you. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. So we are going to be looking through um, Luke chapter 15. If my iPad loads, there we go. Okay, so it's the parable of the lost son. So I'm just going to read it. We're only going to go through the first half today. Um, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I shall share. I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. So this is um, basically it's a son and another son and a dad and the son goes one of the sons goes up to the dad he says i want the money that you owe me when you die can you basically in my mind be dead and give me your money like it's super super offensive like it's it's not that hard to wrap around because it's something that could still definitely happen today i mean it'd be horrible if it did but it's like you going up to your parents and saying can i have my share of the will now even though you're still alive, I wish you were dead so that I could have that money. Um, back on to verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hi- hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So he is now already in the culture of the time of this. My pastor happened to actually give a sermon on this yesterday, so I know it pretty decent. But um, during this time period, first of all, if you're Jewish, the one animal you can't touch is pigs. Like you're not allowed to eat it. So having to go work with the pigs makes you very unclean. So if he wanted to turn back to God or turn back to father or just his Jewish culture or religion at all, he'd be in big trouble because of this interaction with pigs. Um, We see that there is a famine, which normally in the Bible, a famine means that God is trying to push someone out of something. Um, And we see that he's starving. None of these are good things. Okay, verse 17. When he finally, finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he's prepared this speech. He's saying, I am not worthy to be your son anymore, but 
I need to at least be alive, so I'm going back. That's what's going on. Uh, verse 20, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Give a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. That's where we're going to end it, but there is more to the story, but that's not super applicable to what we're talking about right now. Um, but as we see, the father not only is excited, but he runs to go meet his son. He says, my son was dead, but he is now alive or something similar to that. I don't see it specifically here. Um, and he says he gives the finest robe. He gives him sandals, which um, when you're given sandals, that means you're like you're treated as a son. Servants didn't get sandals because servants, you didn't want him running away. You can't run away like barefoot. Um, but he was given sandals, he was given a robe, he was given a house ring, which is essentially a credit card. I mean, you kind of just say, charge it to my dad, here's my ring, you know? Um, we see that the son blatantly disrespected his dad. He disobeyed his dad. He went and he treated his dad as if he was dead. And the dad, and he finally comes home, the dad says, my son was dead, but now he is alive and throws a party in his honor and kills the fattened calf. We must celebrate with a feast. Um, so I just wanted to bring up this illustration because I just think it's so good to talk about, like, that is us. That's a perfect picture of the gospel, except it's the gospel is even more crazy because it's saying it's the hero dying for the villain is essentially what's happening. Jesus is saying, I love you enough that I'm willing to die even though you're the one that should be dying instead of me. But I'm willing to die to keep you from dying because I want you alive and I want to see you again and I love you. Um, so that kind of brings me to another point. Um, we're going to kind of just briefly go over the Romans road, um, which kind of just goes over that first, like none of us are good. I think there's this very false conception in the world that um, there's good people out there Honestly, there's not. I mean, we're not good people. And I think that's hard to deal with, but that's what makes us necessary of salvation is the fact that we're not good people. And I'm not saying like we're good people, we're not good people before we meet Jesus. I'm saying we're never good people, even after we meet Jesus. The only thing good about us is Jesus. The only thing good about me is Jesus. I'm not good because I read my Bible. I'm good because Jesus is in me. And it's not even me, it's Jesus is good and I'm there too. <laughs> um, and that's true with all of us. We're generally not good people. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not one. See, similar deal. Um, on top of that, all of us have sinned. Um, by sinning, it's doing the same thing that the son did in the story, which is where you go up to your father and say, I'd rather have you dead. That's what sinning is in the Bible. Sinning is saying, I would rather be dead to you or have you dead to me than to live a lifestyle of holiness and to pursue God and everything. Um, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God.
Um, on top of that, Christ died for us. I'm sure you know this because, I mean, it's the basics of Christianity. If you have ever even heard anybody talk about the Bible, you've heard Jesus died for you. Um, but do you actually think about that? You know, do you actually think about the fact that he died for you? Uh, Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not that he died for you after you became holy. It's not that he died for you after you became a good person. It's not that he died for you after you got your act together and you dropped those bad habits. No, he died for you while you were at your worst. And I think that that's what really opened me up to the idea of Jesus is that he chose me when I was at my worst, not when I was at my best. And I think that that's just something we need to think about more often. I think a lot of people think, well, I'm not good enough for God. You know, I've done this and this and this and whatever it is, whatever you've done and you feel like I'm not good enough for God. But God says, no, that is the reason I died for you. Like I died for you because of that reason, which is why I want you here. There is nothing big enough to bring you far away from the glory of God if you accept you to sit your Lord and Savior. Um, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the three free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but we've been clear we've all sinned. We have all messed up, and we all deserve death. But the person that died was not us, but it was Jesus. And you have a choice to take that free gift and live, or you have a choice to not take that free gift and die. Those are your choices. And some people are like, well, I don't necessarily want to choose religion, but I definitely like, I don't want to choose hell. If you're not choosing Jesus, you're choosing hell. That's how it works. It's pretty blatantly clear here. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you are not choosing Jesus, you are choosing hell. And I'm sorry about that, but trust me when I say you need Jesus. Um, ah, sorry, my Bible got stuck on my mic. Um, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. I mean, these are all pretty clear. I don't know why I'm going through explaining these so much, but when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the punishment that everyone else is going to have to pay for sin is no longer yours to pay. Jesus already paid it for you. You are free. You are clean. It's amazing. And then finally, Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I don't know if any of y'all feel like you don't know Jesus is your Savior, but if you don't, this is how you do it. This is how you make Jesus your Savior. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So in prayer, you can pray to God and say, Lord, I want you to become Lord of my heart. Um, and then you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. What's important to hear is that it's not just confessing with your mouth. It's also truly believing it. If you don't really believe it in your heart, then it doesn't really matter if you confess it. It matters whether or not you are actually, um, matters whether or not you are actually pursuing Jesus and you actually believe him in your heart. Um, so that's all that I really have for you today. Um, I know it's not a ton. It's kind of a short episode. I didn't have a ton of time to prep it, and I've been kind of inconsistent with these recently. Sorry about that. 
but um, I thought it was a good idea to get a video out there about what the gospel actually is um, and like what all the fuss is about, you know? Um, so I really hope that this spoke to you and you learned something. Alrighty, thank you so much. Bye y'all.